say that. I guess the best place to begin is at the beginning. I'm just not quite sure how to do that. So I, I'll start a little bit later. I was um, struggling with, with which safer of, of Cook we should learn been zeichet to work on or is a tshuva or is a tayr and the maimah hadar and there's so much there's so much the iris or is a kaidish kavatsim there's so much it's an ocean an ocean of of such beautiful tayr and, and and everything is urgently needed now mamish and going back and forth and, and chaver asking me what are we can learn next what are we can learn next. To each person, I said what I thought that person would, would need, and I meant it. And um, and then it struck me while I was in Yerushalayim what I think we all need, and we all have to prepare for, and we're all longing for. I return to Israel to understand our connection to Eretz Yisrael. So then the question is how to do that. There is, of course, in the beginning of Oros, we have a small section on Eretz Yisrael, the very beginning, which we're going to be learning the first piece from. <coughs> there is a tire, there is a section on Eretz Yisrael. But I think that all of you know, we have Cook's writings, the whole history of Cook's writings. It's itself a sugya out of its own. And what happened to them, and how come there's such a lack of organization, and and so on. It has to do with the way that Rav Cook himself wrote and spoke. But we don't have a sefer that Rav Cook wrote on Eretz Yisrael. We have different mamarim all over, everywhere in his writings. Everything is everything is filled with Eretz Yisrael, with the light of Eretz Yisrael, the Yushalayim, everything. But to have one place where we could turn to where we'd be able to go through carefully Ksavim of the Tzaddik teachings of the Tzaddik regarding that Indian that was the Nakudas Halev was the inner point of his heart was Yushalayim, Yisrael, Mashiach, Gula so I kept on thinking of how we should do that and then in Yisrael it dawned upon me I began to think about this before the trip, and then in HSL I thought about it much more, and I decided that the time had come for there to be a convergence of two worlds that really are together, really make up the, the essence of what this whole Chavr is about, and the whole Chabur is about, and what the Shul is about. When you walk into the Shul, so there's a big mural on the on the left side when you're walking in that depicts the Khurban. That depicts the Khurban of 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 the, of the those years of Holocaust. And and there's a there's of course the picture of the of the Rebbe the Piazetsna, of the Aish Kaidish and Beish Kodesh had an illustrious brother that I've mentioned from time to time over the years, Reb His brother, Reb we're going to learn about a little bit now. The Piyasetzin is a brother, Reb 
was himself an Eish Kodesh, as a fire, Mamish a fire. If he would have remained in Poland, he would have been one of the biggest rabbis, together with his brother. And there was a tremendous um, disappointment among the Polish chassidim, the chassidim of Grodzitsk, of, of, of the father, Rabbi Lamelech. There was another path that, that Rabbi Shai would take. It was different from his brother, but in many ways was a fulfillment of what his brother wanted. Because the Piyasatznes, Chusi Yilainu, was himself filled with the tremendous love of Eretz Yisrael. But his job was to remain in Poland, to establish the yeshivas, to be mechazek the Jews, and ultimately to give life to those who were dying, until his life itself would be taken away. His brother, Reb Shailah, is known as Ha'admor HaChalutz. He's known as Ha'admor HaChalutz, a very, very mysterious person, there is, to my knowledge, there are two. I have one, somebody was kind enough from one of the Chaverim researched this last year when I was talking about it two years ago and, and photostatted from the library a copy of one of, the, uh, one of the biographies. There is a more recent work that came out a few years ago, and there's some academic studies that have been made about this amazing tzaddik. The image of, of a Polish... Chassidish Rebbe on a horse in a cowboy hat on a farm in Israel is the one that sums up the Chiddush of this amazing tzaddik Admor Chalutz. The campaign that he made after he had been in Israel for some time, we'll read about it, and then he went back to Poland. He tried to try to be Ma'ayra the tzaddikim, most of whom were his relatives, to bring the chassidim to Israel. The disappointment of how he failed at that. And, of course, subsequently the Malchama. In Israel, Reb Shaila Shapiro, the Morach Halutz, Rav Shaila became a Talmud of Rav Kook. Rav Kook adored him. And, and he revered his Rabbi and wrote a tiny sefer called Eretz Chayfetz. While Rav Kook was alive, he wrote Eretz Chayfetz, where he compiled different teachings that were available at that time. There are many, many writings, of course, that that Reb Shaila couldn't have seen. They weren't yet available. Rav Kook gave him also some personal things that he had, but many things are still in the archives. There's still complications about Rav Kook's writings coming out. There's a sefer that came out this past year from, from Rav Yol bin Nun, much of which discusses the whole nostalgia of Rav Kook's writings. Like, why, are, why do we have these problems? Like, there's still, still stuff that hasn't come out from Rav Kook. And the world very much needs all of this. And it's only recently that the original Kavatsum, that the original Kavatsum were published, there was tremendous snagdus to the publication of those writings. And there's been a lot of censoring as well. Rav Kook's illustrious son, Ratzvi Yehuda, was very protective of his father. And there are many, many things that have been censored and hidden. That is a very big story with Rav Kook's writings. But we have a small Sefer Eretz Chayfetz. A dear friend of mine sent me to a, a, a very wonderful little swarm store. I thought I knew all the swarm stores. I actually grew up in the swarm stores of Yushalayim. And there was one little swarm store in Katamon that I never that I never heard of. And Shemi sent me over there. And uh, and when I, and I asked, most swarm stores, he asked, do you have Eretz Chayfetz? They go, what's that? But over there they knew what it was. And uh, and he had a couple of copies, and he ordered more. And they should be arriving, hopefully, within the next week or so. They should be arriving until he had all of them. I ordered it back then. When I was there, I ordered it around a month ago. But uh, but they should be coming, Mitzvah shortly. 
and we'll have this amazing Sefer. Now, what's wonderful is that in the Eretz Chayfetz that's been, that's been published and it was done over and done over, so there are some Marmakomas on the pages that fill in with, uh, with not only the Makaris that were used by Reb Shaila, but also with additional Ksavim that have come to light over the years since Reb Shaila passed away. He, he was not an old man when he passed away. And um, and that will help a lot to, for us to be able to fill in with with uh, with some of the ksavim that that Reb Shaila didn't have. He didn't he didn't see. There's something that's particularly meaningful to me about this, and I uh, I think will be to many of the chaver here in, in in the shul that that these two worlds would seem to be so so far apart. The shul's named Eish Kodesh after the Piazetzna, and I've tried very hard over the years to infuse the light of Rav Kuk into the base Medrash as well. And I, I have a very strong belief, like all of you have, that any second. And and um, All the worlds are coming together. So the fusion of Piazetzna and Rav Kook is what we're going to be really involved in, even though Rav Shaila just gathered together the sources. But as you'll see, and we'll see in this mimer from, from Rav Moshe Tzvineria, Zechon Levacher, Rav Shaila didn't only put, the, put them together. Besides, it's a huge chachma and how he did it and the order that he did it. You see the tzaddik Admor Chalutz in this compilation as well, in the Sefer Eretz Chayfetz. You see him there as well. So we're going to be learning Mitzvah this Sefer this year, which is Rav Kook, by way of the Eish Kodesh, that world of the Eish Kodesh, Eretz Chayfetz. In order to appreciate how this Sefer was born how this came about, which is a Chiddush. Bechlal, the Admor Chalutz was an anomaly. He was, they didn't know what to do with him. They, they, they had to be very careful not to insult him in Poland because of his forebearers, because he was re- related to all the big rabbis, and he himself was of great royal uh, lineage and so on, and and there was great respect for him. He was a huge Tamil he was a huge Sadik. He was, in, in that way, he was an old-style Polish Admor, a Rebbe, but at the same time, he was the head of Paul Mizrahi, you know, it's Israel. So that this, so, um, all the tzaddikim in Poland almost yelled at him, you understand? <laughs> but they couldn't, they loved him so much, that they, and they respected him so much, and his family, that they held back. They held back. Of course, in Hungary they didn't help back at all. <laughs> That's a different story. But in Poland, they in Poland they held back. They held back. They held back. I'm sure that if you go on the computer for good for good things, that's the only reason one should go on that thing. So if you look up Rabbi Yishai Shapira or Admar Chalutz, I'm sure there are things that are there from the books that have been written. Just we even have a, we have a few pictures. There are a few pictures of him. In here you don't have the one on the horse, I don't think it's in the it's in the biography, but he was a he was a beautiful he was a beautiful, beautiful joke. He was a beautiful regal person. That that's Rav Cook. <laughs> I think you know that picture. But that's Rav Shail. The Ish Kardish the Ish Kardish was sent to his brother. You remember that? When he buried when the Rebbe buried the writings in that canister in the ghetto. So he was sent to his brother because he knew that in Eretz Yisrael, he, the Rebbe knew that the Churban would not reach Eretz Yisrael. And he knew that his brother would, would, would be alive to receive, the, uh, to receive the writings. And we have letters from the Rebbe to his brother. There was a very deep love between them. And the letters are very touching and very moving. Everything about them is very touching and very moving, but particularly their communications are very beautiful. But if you do, if you look it up, you probably will find some interesting things that, that you can look at and that you would enjoy about about him. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of interesting information. 
In certain ways, he was a tragic. He was a tragic figure. In certain ways, uh, besides that, he died very early. But the dreams that he had of bringing about unity in Eretz Yisrael between all of the Chugim in Eretz Yisrael, and, and he tried to even make a bridge between the Histadrut, you know, between the non-religious Zionists and the and the religious Zionists. What he what he tried to work on did not did not work out, and it still hasn't worked out. But he was a big person, had big dreams, big dreams. And um, let's 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 learn a little bit about the history of this sefer, and then we'll be able to begin at Mitzvah next time. The the Maimer that you're looking at, that you have photos that in front of you, we're not going to do the whole thing. In the back of Maimer, it's Chayfet. I don't know if you have in the little one. I don't know if they printed in the back some Amarim. Did they print the Amarim in the back of that little one, or it's just the Eretz Chayfet? In the back of the in the, this is the old this is the old copy. In the back of the Eretz Chayfet that I have. There are a number of mamarim from different Talmudic Chachamim, from Talmudim of Kuk and Reb Tzvi Yehuda, um, about about the uh, Admar Chalutz, and uh, and and the Sefer. They're not printed in the back. Yeah. The, you have Rav Neri's Maimer there. It's called Bechokma Peser Sharum. Bichaval. Yes. No, I know you. Had, I I first that from you. I'm just wondering if in the new one. It's there. Okay, so that's good. I would be ashamed if they didn't print it in the back. Okay, fine. Okay, so this is an important mimer. We're going to only do we'll, do, we'll do around half of it. From one of Rav Cook's great Talmidim, I think you all heard of Rav Moshe Tzvinari, he was a big tzaddik. He was very, very close to Rav Cook. We have some important svarim of Rav Neria, five or six volumes about Rav Cook's teachings that I, that I saw. I was going to buy it, so I was too heavy to slap back. I have the old ones, but they reprinted with some pictures, and, and they did a very beautiful job. Should be coming to the States shortly. Uh, of Rav Neri's writings about Rav Kook and Tariz Rav Kook. It's a big time of Chacham. So we have here a Maimur, the Chacham of Peser Shom, Al-Harav HaChavir, Rabbi Yishai Shapira, Me'eser of Moshe Tzvi So let's learn a little bit of it, just to get a feeling. We're going to be learning Rav Kook, but, but it's Rav Kook by way of the Admor Chalutz. So it's important that we have a sense of where the Sefer comes from, and then Mr. Shem, it's going to be all Rav Kook. You don't see on the first page? You have it? Yeah. Where it says, B'chok M'v'seh HaSharm, HaRav Moshet, Me'eser HaRav Moshet Tzvinerya. Ma'imer HaMavol L'Pirkei Eretz Chayfetz B'Pischei Sha'arim. Now, the Admor HaChalutz wrote an introduction himself. The introduction is about his relationship with Rav Kook. Maybe if we'll have time, we'll do that. That may be a different time just for, for fun. I don't want to take up so much time. It, what's interesting is the conversation that took place between between Rav Kook and the Admar Chalutz, that Rav Kook very much wanted uh, to understand what what could be done, what what could be done to bring the Jews of Poland to Eretz Yisrael, and he saw the Admar Chalutz as a person who could be instrumental in that in that kibbutz Goliath of Polish Jews. Had it worked out, it wasn't Hashgacha, had it worked out, there'd be a lot more Jews in the world right now. But of course, it, that was not Hashgacha, and he wasn't heard. But the conversations between the Admor Chalutz and Rav Kook, here Rav Kook, here Rav Kook had a Talmud who was an, an authentic Chassidish Rebbe, who, who had Mamish in his blood, in his veins, the whole Ishtaslus of Chassidus, of, uh, of that world, and I was on fire there just so. And Rav Kook saw in him the possibility of a, of a massive, of the possibility of a massive aliyah of Polish Jews, that, that, that the, uh, the Admar Chalutz could be, could be helpful in that, but uh, say that it wasn't Hashgach. It wasn't Hashgach. So the conversations with him have been, some of it has been recorded by the Admar Chalutz. He wrote about what happened when he met Rav Kook. And, and, and similar to other stories that we've read, like the Nazir and others, how he was completely taken by Rav Kook. And, and uh, he saw in Rav Kook, uh, the Rebbe of all Rebbes, that's, and, he, and he became a chassid of Rav Kook. So let's read a little bit. Maimer ha-mavu l'pirke eretz chayfetz b'pischei sh'arim g'shmo kenu shnei sh'arim hu posech l'fanenu The introduction that the that the that Reb Shaila wrote 
to Eretz Chayfetz, that's called Pischei Sharm, the openings to the gates. So Rav Neri explains Kishmo Kainho, because there are two gates, it's not one gate. It's not Pesach Hashar. It's Pischei Sharm, the openings of the gates. So Rav Neri says Kishmo Kainho, Shnei Sharm Hu Pesach Lofaleinu. Rav Shaila opens before us two gates. Yikoruhu Hashar HaGolui. The Iker is the Shara, the gate that is open, that's clear, that's obvious. Which is what? Shar Hashkafoso HaRechova HaAmuka. That gate, that broad and expansive and deep gate into the world of Rav Kuk's Hashkafa, Shamaran HaRav Zatzal, on Maisei Hashem HaGodla Mesrachish Leineinu, on the great, on the great Maisei Hashem, what Hashem is doing that's taking place before our eyes, Yishu Veretz Yisrael, the rebuilding and settlement of the land, Ubinyana, the building of the land. What's Rav Kuk's Hashkafa? That's one thing, that's, that's the Shah that we see before our eyes, that, that Reb Shaila wanted to open that Shah for all of Am Yisrael to be able to see in one little, in one safer to see, to get a taste of, it's not complete, there's tons more, but to get a taste of the Iker of Rav Kuk's teachings regarding Eretz Yisrael. Ulam, however, behind or, or hidden behind the shara that is clear, that is open, but there is another shara, another gate. A gate that, that, the, that the one who opened it had no intention of doing that, which is, of course, which is a gate to gaze into the heart, into the soul, of the author of this sefer, of the Admor Chalutz, kachen kol hadvarim heimhem harekel adarkom yuchedes, because everything that we're going to learn about in this sefer from Rav Kook's teachings, heimhem harekel adarkom yuchedes are all the reka, the background upon which you can understand the unique derech, derech chaim shahaysa klal leikala, a way of life that the that Reb Shaila chose that was not easy, it was not simple. He was a revolutionary person. Mamish, a revolutionary person. The journey of Reb Shaila from Poland to Eretz From that place, that world of being Rabbi, an Admor, in Grodzisk, after his father, Sheba Poland, <coughs> The pigume habinyan biyushalayim to the difficulty and the struggles of the rebuilding of Yushalayim. Ki achiv Reb Kolonim is kalm neshapirizal haadmor mipizetz nashem yikavdama, like his brother, the Eish Kodesh from Pizetz nashem should avenge his blood. Hoyegam harav Reb Yishai shapirizal zoyche b'roif hadar lekes admors, like his brother. Reb Shaila was being groomed and prepared to become a big Chassidish Rebbe. Kaimoso hitmir Everything about him was regal, was royal, the way that he looked, the way that he carried himself, was aristocratic. Kulo emeris kavod. Kulo emeris kavod. Everything about him spoke kavod, spoke of the honor of, Yiddish, of, of being a Jew. Halichoso Hatsnua. His whole his whole way, his whole way was very tsanua, was so humble and so hidden, so modest. Dibura Hashaket, how he spoke so quietly. Rav you knew him. They were very dear friends. Hosifu Livyas Khain Lifnay Lefanov Lapanav Hadinim added a certain charm to his gentle appearance, his face. Ohuf Haya Al Ziknea Hasidim Shobesab. He was very beloved by the old Hasidim of his father. Ubeis Saba had more Migrojisk. And the Sadikim from Grodzisk. Virabim Mipirche Hasidim, and many of the young Hasidim in Poland, Raubos Rabam Baosid. They saw in him the future Rebbe of Grodzisk. Yodea Nagain Hoya. He was very musical. So you could add that to the picture. Of, of the Chassidish Rebbe with the beard and pays, the cowboy hat and khaki pants and a, and a white shirt, 
sitting on a horse with a violin. He was an extraordinarily talented musician, and he composed a number of nigunim that he would sing. He would sing sitting in Kumsitzin with many Jews who were complete mechal leishavos. He taught them chassidish nigunim. He was makar of many, many, many people. And and he uh, he went everywhere with his violin. He was a very talented musician. Yodena gain hoya v'motzoy shabosos here idu tzelile kinoro besudos malavamalka nimei levavos. And on motzoy Shabbos, his violin would cause the chords of the heart by malavamalka to tremble, to move. The chords of the heart nimei levavos. His his violin would would move the chords of the of the heart by malavamalka. And would give encouragement to hardworking Jews. At that time, you know, it was the the matzav of the uh, of the misyashvim of the settlers was was very 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 difficult with all kinds of sickness and disease and problems and poverty. And he lived with them. To give them encouragement for the coming six days of the week. The beautiful Nagunim that he put to words of Davening. They were they were saturated with gentleness, with gentleness and adinos and edelkeit. The Nagunim were filled with emotion and with warmth. And Jews would sing, these settlers would sing these songs together. Even before, and even before he moved from Poland to so He was famous for his Nagunim and the Malavamalkas and the gatherings and his davening. Ulam Zocharav Yeshaya Shapirazal. However, he was Zoichen, Epshayla, that in his heart there burned a spark of an Echisveldik in the Shama. An Echisveldik in the Shama. When you meet a person who has an Echisveldik in the Shama, there's no question that they're going to live there. It's only a matter of time. And this was the way he was. They burned in him a spark. And endless longings for Eretz Yisrael disturbed his rest. He couldn't rest, he couldn't rest. As he writes in his introduction to this Sefer, Reb Shaila writes, In every generation, There are a few special people that threw away their lives, that gave up everything in their lives, and went with Mesiris Nefesh, with Mesiris Nefesh they returned to connect to the land, and to dwell in the shade, in the shadow of her holiness, of Eretz these extraordinary individuals who did it, they did it because in them there was an explosion of a fiery longing for redemption and salvation. That was held back and concealed in the depths of the soul of the Jewish nation. So Reb Shaila went to Eretzisol. He moved to Eretzisol. At the time of World War One, right before 1914, but due to the outbreak of World War One, that there was tremendous confusion, of course, and there was a great fear of what was happening with his mishpacha back in Poland. And Nizbat Lukol and all of his plans 
to remain there had to be put on hold. And he had to return to Poland. However, immediately after World War I, at the time of the Balfour Declaration, his heart was awakened to return to his original, his original plan. Especially because he remembered the first time that he had been in Eretz Yisrael, when he was zeichet to a very important meeting that left a great impression. When he visited, when he visited the Rav of Yafo. The Rav of Yafa was Rav Kuk at that time. Shekibel also b'chamimus meruba, who received them with tremendous warmth. Ve'etzlo kibel chizuk ve'idud Rav, and Rav Shaila received tremendous encouragement and chizuk by Rav Kuk. Linina aliyasa, the gabi the inyan of his aliyah. Ata chazu v'tzilzlo after World War One, chazu v'tzilzlo ba'ozna v'advarim v'harayoyinus. After World War One. What they had spoken about and the ideas <coughs> began to ring again in his ears. Ulumas Hasviva Hasidis. And in contrast to the environment that he lived in in Poland, the Hasidish community, that of course was very, very suspicious for many good reasons of secular Zionism. And because of that, the vast majority of Polish Hasidus, despite the great love for Israel that was part of the teachings of Hasidus, the vast majority of Polish Hasidus resisted the temptation to, to go to Israel. And as long as things were still bearable, they remained apart and stood from a distance. They were kindred spirits. Admor Chalutz and Rav Kuk had very similar personalities. Ruach Hashem Asherolov. The Ruach of Hashem that was upon Reb Shayel. Well, the Ruach Hashem, Asher Allah, maybe on Rav Kook, and what Reb Shayel heard from his mouth, was helped him, helped him a tremendous amount in the struggle that he had to leave, whether to leave the Chesidim in, in Poland where they very much, of course, wanted him to remain and to continue with his brother, to, uh, to continue to, um, to build the chesidus and the yeshivas and so on, <coughs> or, to, or to follow, the, to follow the, the, the directors of his heart and to go to Israel. That conversation or the conversations and meetings that he had with Rav Kook were very, very instrumental in helping him to stand up to all of those things that were holding him back in Poland. And all of the obstacles that were in his way. The words of Rav Kook, Chizoyon Kabir, Halech Umishavel Lefanena. A powerful vision is taking form, is coming to life before our eyes, Rav Kook taught. Zerum gadol va'adir shalchayim, a great and powerful current of life, halech v'shofeya, is moving forward, and shofeya is pouring forth. L'ashiv l'tchia es ha'am atik ha'yom to revive, to bring back to life, our ancient nation. Goy Eitan Yisrael Sava, the powerful nation. Yisrael comes from Yaakov Avinu. Vachizoyin Hazeh, 
And this vision, this vision finds its correct place to unfold and to take place, to materialize, is Admas Matav Beretisho. To be able to be rooted, this can only be rooted, this vision, in Eretz Yisrael. Aleinu lachdar l'raze oilam. Of course, as we've learned so many times, especially in Eretz Yisrael, Aleinu lachdar l'raze oilam. We must enter deeply and penetrate deeply into the world of the secrets of Torah, the deepest teachings of Torah. Hasfunim b'soich ha'chizoyin ha'kabir v'amalavi v'azeh that are hidden within this great and encouraging vision that is unfolding of the Jewish people returning to life. We must enter deeply, deeply into the Rosh Hashanah that are hidden. We mustn't retreat. We mustn't turn back. From any from any fear anything that would frighten us from doing it. Kalyura Pachdanis, Hamis Yameris Bermuna, that is disguised and presenting itself as Emuna. That's what Rav Kook wrote about in Musavich and other places, how it's very, very easy to blame Emuna for all of our problems. So, what he's saying over here, what Rav Kook is saying, is that the fear, the pachat of moving forward and making that decision to uproot and to return to Israel, it could be. It's very easy to use amuna as an explanation of why we have belief, we have faith that everything will be okay. We believe that where we are is where Hashem wants us to be. There are many, many shmuzn and shiyom one can give using Amuna as the basis for not taking the next step, for not returning, and for not rebuilding. When they call your pardonis ha-misyameris be-amuna, misyameris, like little hamir, means is exchanged, or hides behind the imposter, and makes believe that it's because of great faith in God that we're not doing these things, that we're not trying to bring about the fulfillment of this vision, Misyameris Be'amuna. Umabnei kol marach leif. To overcome all weakness of the heart. Hanovei mitoch kfira. It's very strong. That really does not come from Emuna at all. It's yira and pachet. It's just old-fashioned fear. The fear to change the fear to move, the fear to do something that's different, that's unconventional, which ultimately can be traced back, he says, not to emuna, not to faith, but to heresy. You can see why people would be upset with Rav Kook in, in Europe, right? <laughs> Comes from Kfira. It, it looks on the outside like it's big emuna, big emuna. But he says it comes from kfira. It's coming from kfira, from heresy, from a lack of belief and trust in Hakadosh Baruch Dvarim kabirim. That's Rav Kook. Dvarim kabirim nimrotsim tamtsisim elish lahirav. These very powerful, succinct words of Rav Kook. That he would that that he would say over and over again. Whenever somebody would come to visit from Chutzlarets, when big rabbanim would come and rabbis and so on would come from Chutzlarets to, to speak to Rav Cook. This is what he would talk to them about. They would try to they would they would first have conversations and you know lambdas and learning. And uh, in Kabbalah, those who were able to. But very quickly, Rav Kook would get to what he wanted to discuss with them was, what's going on? Why are you staying there? At the time that Rav Kook had this conversation with Rav 
his words penetrated very, very deep into the sensitive heart. And he would rely upon these words from Rav Kook as, as a, an ethical, spiritual inspiration to push him, encourage him on his path to return, Reb Shaila's path, to return to Eretz Chayfetz, to the land of desire, Eretz Yisrael. Ubishnas Tov Reish Pei. So in 1920, despite all the, all the information regarding the terrible economic matzav in Eretz Yisrael, it was terrible, terrible. Omad HaRav Shapiro, the Kibel HaChlot He stood up and he accepted upon himself this decision. This uh, it was a very daring. Hu Chazar VaAlal Aretz, LeLoit Siltzalei Shama, which is an expression. He went very quietly. He just disappeared from Poland, and he went. Come VeChazar LaAlos Yerushalayma, LeLoit Siltzalei Shiro. And he went and returned to Yerushalayim without any fanfare, without any noise. Just slipped out the back. And already when he got there, right when he got there, he decided to become physically involved in building the land, not just teaching Torahs about building the land, not thinking about it or writing articles and books about building the land, but to actually roll up his sleeves and to get busy. Lemaisa. Benan shel Kedoshin. You have to try to imagine. This was a Jew who in Poland walked around not like with the Bekishas that we get. His Bekish went all the way down to the floor, you understand. And with a silver cane, the whole thing. The world of the world of 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 Koznitz, of Stalin, of Grodzitz, of Chanchin, of all of the of all of the biggest rabbis going back to the beginning to the Balshem Tov Hakadosh himself, royalty. Benan Shel Kedoshim, a son of holy people, Geza Tashishim, from the root of powerful ones, great and powerful ones. Probably never worked a day in his life, physically. He grew up in the Bishamadrish. I mean, we used to we used to have gym when we were in school, you know. They didn't have gym. They didn't have gym. And when when I when I was uh, a senior in high school, and then we had the, the second half of the year, we went on Tachnit Gimel. In those years, it was called Tachnit Gimel. And we went to Eretz and they took us to a kibbutz. And the, the Israelis would sit on a tractor, spitting out Garinim, showing the American volunteers what to do. And uh, we were, at that time, uh, on a kibbutz. Wasn't, which was the name of the kibbutz? I can't remember right now. Maybe we were, Yeah, we were up by the Golan, the Moshav Keshet. And uh, I was with three of my friends cutting onions all day. After 15 minutes... You know, we had had it, and we were we were guys that you know we used to play ball. We were in good shape. And then we went to Tirat Svi with the turkeys. That was mom's a disaster. Mom's a disaster. The only fond memory I have of the turkeys, they they make a lot of noise. But the only fun memory I have is once they were being, they were lo- being loaded on a truck, like hundreds of turkeys on this truck to be taken away. We were loading them onto the truck, and there was this one guy. There was this one guy uh, 
this Israeli that nobody liked because he was always yelling at us and never doing anything and giving us orders. So he was standing and yelling at us, and one of the guys was in the truck, one of our guys was in the truck, and he pressed the button to make all the turkeys go on this guy. <laughs> but then it got, they had, well, they had to take him to the hospital because they were all pecking at him, and he was pretty serious. He's okay. He's, I, I hope he's still alive, but he was, at the time it was pretty bad. But that was the only good memory I have of that uh, experience on the, of uh, the turkeys being dumped on the... Uh, on the on the uh, Sabra, so we were, we were guys that you know we were, we were pretty we were pretty used to working out and stuff. We were we were all like athletic, we were an athletic chav, but uh, we never really worked, you know, and uh, it, it was it was hard. So try to imagine, you have this pampered child. The, the Grudgeska died at a young, he was very young, he was raised by the Zignach Sidim, royalty, mamish like in a palace, royalty. Silver spoon. Silver spoon. Takes off his takes off the levusha, takes off his, his his royal clothing and and puts on a pair of sandals and and, st- and goes out to the fields. That's really what happened. Posh had this big day Shuv come for Osamaisa. He got up for Osamaisa. Posh had this big day Ben Admar. He took off the clothing of the Rebbe's son. The Lovash Big Day Paul Binyan, and he put on the clothing of a of a worker. He went out day after day, construction, building. All the instruments, all the filth and the <coughs> This was when he was first there. In the in, in Yerushalayim, was working on construction sites in Yerushalayim, building in Yerushalayim. Hukasav az leachiv bevarsha. He wrote to his brother to to the Pesachna to the Rebbe. Kibalti leilasos hakol bechdei liyishar beretzisrael. I have accepted upon myself to do anything I can to remain in Eretzisrael. Vafilu lahovil zevel, even to schlep zevel. Garbage. It's saying it's a nice way to schlep to schlep the filth. I have accepted upon myself to stay, no matter what. And he did not. He did not tell people who he was. He went in a very hidden way, and was just got a job in a construction site in Yerushalayim. He was very famous, but he didn't tell people who he was. But even in the days before. No dolem cards and posters and stuff. And it wasn't too long until they found out who he was. The chaver of Lavoda and the chaverim that he worked with on the construction site, these other people, these Yidin. They were the ones who forced him out uh, of the, uh, from the, the uh, building, the bricks. And it was at that time where the movement, which would later on be called B'nai Kiva, but the movement of Torah and Avoda, of boys who would be learning part of the day and working part of the day, on Yishav Haaretz, on Binyan Haaretz, it was at that time that it, things were starting to come together. And they saw here in Reb Shaila, Mamish, a Rebbe. They found a Rebbe for the movement. It wasn't yet B'nai Kiva. Ramoshetzin area was the one really... That Developed that much more later on, but the beginnings, the beginnings of the whole of the whole musag of, of Taranavoda. It was just starting to; they were just starting to get organized. They were very happy. These Eden, they discovered a Jew amongst them who was unique. Mishichma Vamala from higher, a head taller than everybody. Next page. Heimech Nisro He really went and wanted to just work with everybody. But, as it often happens with great people, with the Lezbeira, he didn't have his choice in the matter. And they want, they brought him more and more into a position of leadership. The Torah Zaman Katsar, and in a short time, he became one of the great leaders of the young movement of Torah and Avodah. 
teaching Balpe, and Madrich Bixav, and writing also articles Bemachshove Ubemaisa. A teacher Bemachshove regarding Machshove, the philosophy behind what this was all about, and formulating the principles and ideas of that entire movement of Torah and Avodah, Ubemaisa. Yachad itam sovrlu esivlam, but he was never ever detached from the chevra. Together with them, he suffered. Biyamim shel chayser avoda. There were times when they couldn't couldn't find work. Biyachad itam noisehu chazona. Together with together with them, he carried this vision. Achris v'tikfa liyam yavo. That was filled with a hope for what was going to come, what would be in the future. It's hard for us to understand this also. We're not going to read this a part of the article here as well, of this mimer. <coughs> the, um, the secular Zionists who uh, made up at that time, who organized in the Histadrut, Olamit, the Histadrut, We're working against everything that the religious Zionists were trying to accomplish. We're working against everything that Reb Shail and his Chaverim were trying to do. It's a very sad parasha in the history of Yeshiva Hedgesel, of recent history. Um, it's not necessary to mention any of the famous individuals who are part of that Hisnagus, the same people who claimed that they, all they wanted to do was to build the land, but they were determined that it would not be built by religious people. And it would not be settled by religious Jews. They did not want to see yarmulkes. They did not want to see tzitzis. They didn't want to see yeshivas. They didn't want to have anything to do with Yiddishkeit. And therefore, every step along the way, there was opposition that came from other Jews. Not from Arabs. From Jews. It's a very sad parasha. The parasha of secular Zionism is filled with all kinds of tragedies. But that was the Metzius that that they were fighting against. Not just the not just the physical difficulties, the swamps and the malaria and the poverty, but they were fighting against other Jews who were trying to prevent religious Jews from being involved in or taking a part or having any positions of leadership in uh, in Isyash Vasaritz. Boys at Kufa Chalutzis uh, you know, we'll, Mitch, and we'll continue. We'll continue. We'll finish. We'll finish of Nerius Meirim next time, and we'll be able to. We'll be able to begin to learn the Sefer Eretz I hope that if it, com- it should be coming any day, that Mitch will be able to have the Sefer by next Shabbos. In the meantime, please hold on to the pages. I'm not sure, so hold on to the pages. Next